Hello, everybody. Welcome to another live episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. I'm really excited to dive into today's conversation as we really dig into the possibilities of integration with technology as we really explore those IT light solutions. So it's really important in today's world. Joining us for this conversation, we have um, Sandeep Banot. He is the CEO and founder of Radius 8, a platform that leverages location-based marketing to create store-specific events, promotions, and product availability for customers within geofences defined by Radius from the store. We also have Rohan Sunil, he is the CEO and co-founder of Deep North AI, converting video footage of store traffic to measure conversion, dwell time, repeat customers, mask wearing or not, store capacity, and associate customer interaction time. And then we have Ken Pilot, who has a strong operating background serving C-level positions with The Gap, J. Crew, Ralph Lauren, American Eagle, and ABC Home and Carpet. Over the past six years, Ken has invested in and serves as an operating partner to a number of tech platforms that support retail and brand growth. Some of those platforms we've also had on the show, including uh, Predict Spring, Rev Cascade, Radar, Backbone PLM, and others. Well, I guess I need to add a Radius 8 and Deep North AI to that list, which is who we're introducing you to today. So thank you, um, gentlemen, for being part of today's conversation. Welcome. It's a pleasure. So before we dive in a little bit uh, deeper into the conversation, I gave a very high level um, introduction to each company, and I'm gonna I'm gonna want you to tell the audience a little bit more about what each of your companies do. So Sandeep, do you want to do you want to start with that? Sure. Uh, from a high level point of view, um, you know the concept uh, behind Radius Eight, uh, Melissa, is actually very simple, very straightforward. You know, when we started this company, um, you know, we asked ourselves a simple question, which was, you know, why is it that the e-commerce ad experience looks the same no matter where a customer is? And if you think about it, if you're a brand that has hundreds or almost thousands of stores, you put a lot of thought into making those physical stores unique and different. But the problem is the digital experience looks exactly the same for that consumer no matter where they are. That's a missed opportunity for not only the brand, but of course the consumer. So what Radius 8 does is we take the location context of the proximity of that customer um, between where they are and the proximity of that store that they're nearest. And we have, we basically make that store, give that sort of the, the capability of dynamically changing that digital content within when that customer, when that customer is within proximity of that store. So now imagine if I'm near a Mac cosmetic store and there's something really awesome happening in that physical store where well, that store has the opportunity to change the digital content for those consumers within the radius of that store. So now that digital experience truly becomes an extension of what's happening in that store. So now multiply that times a thousand. Now you have that force multiplier effect where every store gets to do that for its own market. And now the power of digital, which is I get to learn and discover something immediately, you now give them that instant gratification of, hey, you're only two miles away from Queen Center uh, Mall in, in New York, in, in Queens. By the way, something amazing is happening there and check it out. So that's the power of, of Radius 8 and what we've built here. Um, so, yeah, so that's, a, that's the high level point of view. I love it. There's, I'm jotting down questions I'm going to ask you as we dive deeper into the conversation. Um, is there, there's so much to explore there. Um, Rowan, can you tell us a little bit more about Deep North? Sure, sure. Uh, so I think, you know, the world is getting digital. 
uh, I have this story. Uh, when you go on Amazon and search a shoe, until you don't buy that shoe, it's going to haunt you. Yeah. After you buy the shoe, they will keep selling you more shoes until you drown in shoes. And let's assume you go into a physical store. It's a black hole until you don't swipe. And what we are doing at Deep North is tapping into existing video cameras and turning that physical store into a web page. You are now digitized that physical store and managing that physical store as if it's a website. You know, every movement behavior of your customers, your associates in full anonymity and make decisions with insights that we derive and drive three things, increase sales, better operations, and the most important is customer service and creating a great experience. Just imagine you're in a big box retailer and Melissa, you shop in there and automatically an associate comes and says, how can I help you? That's what we do and that's what we influence. So DeepNoth is all about using our proprietary computer vision, AI platform to create insights and transform our customers and make them ready for the AI age. You have to digitize your physical store or physical location. And that's what we do. We are in shopping centers, we are in retail stores, and we're also in retail warehouses. So we are really helping our customers you know, uh, in the physical world uh, focused on retail. So that's a little bit about Deep North. Uh, we are based here in Silicon Valley and offices in Sweden and in India. Great. Well, I can imagine how busy you must be as so many people are rethinking the store, the purpose that it serves, uh, the operations, how it needs to evolve for everything from flexible fulfillment to safety precautions. So I'm excited to dig in deeper there. Ken, you have the lens of, of being an investor and an advisor, but you've also, as you know, we spoke about, you've had C-level positions and you've sat at the head as the head of operations where data collection wasn't the question. Um, and I, you know, I think it's evident that these two companies would help with that, but costs and difficulty of integration have been roadblocks. How do you see that changing? And how do you see Radius 8 and Deep North AI um, helping that with creating more of a IT light approach? First, uh, thank you, Melissa, for having me today and uh, allowing us to, to be on your call. It's great to share, I think, what both of these guys are doing with, uh, with you, your team, and, and listeners as well. Um, as you mentioned earlier, what I do look for is one of the key parts to investing in and working with company, companies as an operating partner, which I do with both Radius 8 and Deep North, is I look for a platform first that I would identify as one who has been in C-level roles. If I were in a C-level role today, would I adopt this platform or is there a need in this space to address it with technology? So that's number one. And in both cases, just from the brief explanation that they've provided, I would say yes to both. Number two, and I think most important and relevant today is how easy is it to go live with a platform? Because my IT team now consists of one person, 
by definition, that is IT light. Uh, I don't think many companies now are that focused on building when they can buy. And when you're buying something that's location-based marketing and that's all Sandeep and his team do, that's all they do all day is that, or analyzing and digitizing traffic, which is what Rohan's team does exclusively all day. Why build that? You can never build as efficiently as you can buy. So I look for IT light solutions that address current problems today across retail and brands. And I think, as you can see, both of what, what we're talking about today really do just that, address problems with easy implementation, and I think are most cost-effective with a very positive ROI. No, that's, that's true. There's always that debate, right? Do we build it or do we partner with those that are experts in it? So you mentioned, Sandeep, you know, how you create basically... Um, that Instagramification, and I think that lends itself to where we want to get to, too, from a personalization level. Um, but can we, let's take a step back. Can you explain to the audience, how is geofencing work? I still think that there's still a lot that people don't really understand. So walk us through that process. Yeah, you know, um, so first of all, geofencing and the whole idea of GIS, geospatial information systems, has been around since the 70s. This, it's been around since we've been able to launch satellites into space and use GPS, right? Basically, I've got the three satellites in space triangulating one point on the plane. And so that's been around for a long, long time. I think, um, you know, what a ge the, way, the best way to think about uh, geofencing as it relates to radius eight um, is very simple. Um, you know, what if I have a store and I create a circle around that store? I want to geofence that store. And I want to geotag content that's connected to that geofence. So very simply, if I happen to go to uh, an e-commerce site and I happen to be in that geofence, I want to activate content that's associated to that fence to make that experience more uh, location relevant. Um, so very simply, um, you know, what we've done here is demystified the how the geofence works and and taking out the whole ones and zeros out of the conversation and make it really simple where a non-technical user can log into our platform and very easily geofence uh, a POI, what we call a place of interest. That place of interest could be a store, it could be a park, it could be your competitor store locations, it could be anything you could geofence and say anytime someone accesses my website from this geofence, activate these experiences. It's that simple. So I have a question on that. Is there an opt-in? How does it work on the consumer uh, side? Do they, do you need an app? Do you, yeah. how do they get these notifications? Yeah. So, you know, the thing about this is privacy has become a very interesting topic of conversation. Um, and, and privacy no longer is, is no longer limited to PII, right? Personal identifiable information anymore. It's like anything, right? So the whole idea here is, I think what you have is you've got different corporations that have different privacy policies. And I think it comes down to, uh, can you offer a solution to that corporation that while as easy as it is to install, can it be as easy to configure to conform to their privacy policies? So Melissa, to, to your point, um, you know, some, re some retailers have different policies that vary from others and they can adjust our system to reflect that. So uh, maybe some companies want to prompt by, by default. If you want to, as a consumer, right, Apple will uh, force the fact that if you want to share your location through a browser, uh, there's no way around it. It'll 
prompt you as a consumer to say, do you want to share your location with this website? Yes or no. Now, I think what happens is that when they click yes, obviously they'll get the best experience. But when they click no and the experience is slightly off, the consumer is then trained to say, oh, you know what? If I opt in to share my location, I might get a better experience. So there's the question of what's in it for me as a consumer. And as long as the consumer understands that there's a benefit to them, uh, they will share their location. Of course, it's obviously their decision at the end of the day. But uh, as you start to retrain that consumer, the opting into sharing little pieces of information will result in a much better buying experience. You will find that that does happen that consumers do attend to share their location. One thing also just to add, Sandeep, um, so that it's clear, but the messaging that's created appears on the landing page. So, or can appear on the landing page anyway. So it's not buried within the website. Um, information isn't like four pages back or hard to find. It's once you're on the site, it basically relates the information most relevant to the nearest location. You see it right away. Yeah, so it's really it's super, super easy way to signal something different is happening at a store. One thing I like also, even on the operation side, even if the store is hiring, imagine stores are going into Christmas mode that are starting to hire. How do you really focus your attention on key stores where if you have a new store opening and you're eight weeks out, got to hire a manager, you got to hire a team. What better way to do it than with this type of platform? Yeah, I, I think, Ken, you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I think, you know, Melissa, you know, the best way to think about this is consumers, particularly on mobile, don't want to work to discover information. The fact that you got me to your website, th that's the win right there. How are you going to reward me by coming to your website? And I think the key points that, that uh, Ken laid out is being able to proactively deliver an experience so the consumer doesn't have to do anything. There's no app to install. They don't, there's no change in behavior required by the consumer. And I think that's the key thing here is don't change your, your constituents behavior, whether it's a store associate, whether it's your consumer, deliver an experience that's seamless and proactive and relevant. So to Ken's point, Hey, if I go to your website and I happen to know that it's a it's season, it's a, it's a time of that year where you're hiring, you're hiring seasonal workers. Wouldn't it be great if you could proactively say, Oh, by the way, the store two miles away from you not only has a sale, but also is hiring for the hiser, you know, hiring for the season. Or uh, we have an event at four o'clock, or maybe you're near a luxury retailer, and hey, we have champagne at three o'clock. Right? Things of that, you know, think about that, right? How cool would it Find be? Find me up for the champagne. I'm going to do that one. <laughs> yeah, it's things like that. Being able to proactively deliver what's what what happens in that physical store that never gets communicated digitally, like ever. And you're able to do that here in a very seamless and proactive format. Yeah. And if I may add, add on the flip this side, feeling, go ahead. Uh, uh, Sandeep uh, talk, I think his platform is an influencer. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really important in the physical world uh, that you have to not, you know, force, but influence. And, you know, that's going to convert into, you know, revenues. And uh, Sandeep, I think it's uh, hearing your story, it's quite interesting. Uh, we should talk yeah. after this. <laughs> you guys should talk because I think I could talk to both of you too about some of our projects. There's such a good synergies here. You're influencing yeah. outside of the store, but then, you know, Rohan, you're influencing on the inside, inside of the store, yeah. right? Um, and in some sense, you kind of both the brain of the experiences. So, you know, can you talk a little bit, Rohan, like, so how, how, how are you informing um, what's happening on the inside of the store um, through your digitization? And then how are you then 
kind of acting as a partner, right, to the brand and retailer because you're an mm-hmm. information tool to them. And you know, what what do you do not just to collect the information, but the insights that you're providing back? Sure, sure. So you know, it's really interesting. You know, COVID uh, has got everyone everything locked down, but every customer of ours has said we wish we were live and installed last year. I said, hey, we can still launch right now. Uh, but I think what we do is, you know, when we create this data inside the store, this is data that never existed. And, you know, all this time, uh, our stakeholders and our customers, right, whether it's strategy, marketing, uh, store, pl- uh, you know, planning, merchandising, operations, they all relied on after the fact, right? After you swipe and uh, ERP systems. So this is data that never existed. So we help our customers in sifting through this data, the crawl, walk, and run, and really, you know, hitting down to what is the ROI? You know, how does store occupancy translate to ROI? Uh, they ask us, why do you need store occupancy as a key metric? Because we can predict when you're going to have a line weight that could lead to a line abandonment that is loss in revenue. Based on store occupancy, you can move your associates from stocking into opening out a cash register. We can actually say in the next half an hour, you're going to experience a line weight. That's why you need to have a mobile checkout and so on. So it's dynamic in real time. Um, that's on the floor. But if you look at it from a zone level and um, a zone manager managing you know, a dozen stores, they can sit anywhere, tap in and look at the information. How is Gap performing, for example, in all of the malls in Southern California? And why is a Lululemon event not moving traffic into my stores, but it's moving traffic into the other stores in the mall. Uh, and those type of insights, uh, because you cannot wait for a quarter to get over and then put a new marketing event in there, right? Why can't I have a marketing event in the mall and have an uptake of 17%? We are down to that level of uh, detail that is the uptake 17% based on 17% of more traffic into the store? What was the revenue incre- increment? What was the marketing spend on a yoga event versus a toddler Tuesday versus a food truck? What was the influence of that spend uh, into the various uh, tenants in the shopping center? And then when you go inside the store, it's all about product placement, uh, and influencing the purchase, right? Uh, what is the uh, dominant path uh, within the store? And very interesting, if you look at COVID, customers are saying, we want to showcase to our you know, uh, customers that this is a safe environment. Uh, we have well-marked locations and signs of how people can move within the stores, uh, the mask detection, uh, and the social distancing, uh, all of those are available in our platform. Uh, And this is, you know, the true digitization, right? So if online, if you move your mouse, you're tracked. 
but uh, in the physical store, we are now helping our customers, whether it is COVID related or whether it is influencing so that every visit is a winning visit, both for the end customer as well as the retailer. I think yeah, the other cool thing that I, I like about the platform, you know, first and foremost, it does what all retailers need to have happen at the store level. You want to be able to measure traffic, you want to be able to measure conversion, which clearly we can do. But even to get into cool things like how about repeat customers? How about understanding the, the demographic? Do I have more men than women? More 30 and under or more 50 and over? So we can get at that information. I even like one thing that we, we've talked a lot about, Rowan, which is I can actually measure on a store-by-store basis the amount of associate to customer interaction okay. time. Yep. So I might be able to correlate that if a store has 20% or less customer-to-associate interaction time, and we do that by identifying associates, so we can identify them based on time in store and their, their body size, shape, et cetera. But we can actually measure how much how much time the associates and customers spend together, and if that's actually correlated to driving comp store business. So in store A, oh, the average is only eighteen percent customer to associate time spent together. They have comps of minus five. In my other store, where I have fifty percent, you know, we're we're driving positive comps. So I, I love that as a way to analyze. We were on a call the other day with one head of stores who really wanted to analyze how much back of house time was being spent by his associates versus on the uh, selling floor. So an, a great way to analyze that, or imagine even if you have a camera over the area where you are, where customers are going to pick up their buy online, pick up and store their BOPAS purchase. Is that an efficient process? And how do I know? With every retailer jumping on BOPAS, that's great until I, the customer, get to the store at lunchtime when we normalize after we get out of this crazy COVID period. When I go to the store at lunchtime, there could be a queue there that I have to deal with. And then my, my pickup in store experience is really lousy. Well, if we're analyzing that, we might be able to know that you need to have two or three people at the customer service counter between 12 and two every day, because that's when customers are really coming in for their purchase. So we can get into all of that information. As Rowan said, we do it through a dashboard. I think we'll be able to share that today. And then also through an app that's live so that either a store manager or a district manager, regional manager can see the activity that's happening in the store and see if stores are really responding to it. No, yeah, I think that it's great that there's an app version. Um, and I mean, there's so many directions I can go in this conversation today. But um, I think that that's great, because the more we can empower store associates, the better the in-store experience can happen, right? I mean, consumers more and more today are walking in the door informed, they're walking in the door with higher expectations. So there is a lot more responsibility on a store associates part right, to elevate the experience. And I think the more that they are equipped with this information and they have a better lens and understanding the store, the pulse of the store, the needs, um, a lot of the things that you're talking about. And I think as we've been evolving through COVID, you've seen so much more that companies are really shifting their mindset of what the role of the associate is. And, and I mean, I think this data is really supports that. You also mentioned trends that you saw in, in, with COVID and kind of the floor plan. And we all know the markers that we see on the floor and everything like that. Sandeep, on the outside of the store, what trends are you noticing? Are there diff any changes in the kinds of communication that's happening that you're seeing? Um, is, is it all just kind of 
notifications, being able to show what happens on the, you know, on the website or how is it tying the in-store experience differently? Yeah, yeah actually, Melissa, it's actually really interesting. So I think you're, there are a couple of trends happening. So one, uh, yes, of course, um, you know, look, wave two is coming. Uh, right, the second wave of COVID is, is is upon us, and how can how can retailers react to hey, your nearest store that's shut down, or your nearest store that's still open, or your nearest store that has a change of service? So yes, so you know, of course, that that is that is definitely uh, happening, and and obviously, um, you know, that's a very uh, easy thing for us to help them solve. But I think what's important, if you think about COVID and store productivity in the same sentence, that that's kind of interesting. So store productivity, you know, doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, cash register sales uh, in terms of in-person sales, right? So if you think about it, I think there's a whole idea of, yes, um, increasing the idea around curbside pickup, right? So obviously everybody had Bopus and maybe even Ropus, Reserve Online Pickup and Store, but those are predominantly in-store sort of logistical experience. I go online, I pay or I reserve and I go in-store to consummate the transaction. Versus now with COVID, now it's curbside. Oh, we'll come out to you and we will sort of, you know, handle the transaction that way, right? So that's one aspect of it. I think the other aspect of it is last mile delivery. So we have, we have customers that say to, that use us to message to the end consumer saying, by the way, this store, uh, you could actually purchase from the store through Postmates or through Instacart. It's last mile delivery, but it's still correlated productivity for that store because that store is still fulfilling and selling that product right through last mile delivery right that's one aspect of it i think what's also interesting is um you know some retailers will say listen we've got limited capacity uh you know and gone are the days of come one come all to any any store and you know please trample over each other and come on in that's (laughs) right now it's like listen uh, we have capacity limitations, maybe five at a time or 10 at a time. Uh, we encourage you to book an appointment. So think about that. So now what you're doing is you are, these re- through COVID, they might, of course, get less traffic, but now they're getting more qualified buyers that come into that store because I'm now opting in to say, I'm going to schedule a buying appointment with your retail specialist in that store and the chances of me buying something are now increased because I've self-selected. So in that, Melissa, you've got the power again of digital, which is you're casting a wide, you know, I should say you're 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 using a you're creating a digital lasso, right, which is limited around that location with a certain population of folks that happen to be within the radius of that store, and they're self-qualifying and saying, I want to come into your store and buy product. So I, I would say by virtue of being able to create these distinct experiences, whether it's increasing productivity through last mile delivery, optimizing curbside or appointment setting or more purposeful store visits, you're definitely changing the game for retail. Um, And quite frankly, you're giving retailers an edge to combat the limitations of COVID uh, that have been imposed on them. No, I love all the things that that you touched upon. Um, And and I think think that it, it probably influences a lot of the things that you're seeing in store, Rohan, because, Absolutely. right, we talk so much that, you know, there's less store visits, but um, engagement's higher and conversions are higher because people are coming with intention. But the way in which those customer journeys are happening now then evolve. So what are you seeing, Rohan, as far as trends in store with store layout? Um, and how is that influencing as well when we think of flexible fulfillment, the need to create more agile and modular spaces on the interior of the store? 
So first of all, what we are seeing from, you know, a couple of our big customers, when, you know, the buyer, you know, or the end customer comes into the store, they have the purchasing power. So you have to make that store visit a winning visit. And you have to map the journey of, you know, a customer from zone to zone and look at what's the dwell in each of the zones. Are they in kitchen area or in bath or in various zones? And where are you positioning your products on the runway? Where are you positioning your high value ticket items? How is the influence of an associate always there? What are the uh, you know peak times uh, for that target products that you you know is a high ticket, high volume? All of that is so important. It's you know a science that is done so well online, and we are now doing that in the physical store. So if you're looking at you know getting a toolkit that's the highest ticket item versus you know lumber, right? You want to have an associate that can really educate you on the fly and help you buy the best toolkit versus, you know, associate sending in lumber or garden, which is the low ticket items, right? And those are some really uh, important metrics that if you look at the scale, it's millions of dollars per store uh, in revenue. Uh, the other thing is if you're at a self-checkout queue, and if the self-checkout queue is longer than normal, you will go into a manual checkout that equates to $15 an hour times 1,000 stores. That's additional cost. You are now moving an associate that could be doing some other work into a manual checkout. Uh, now, you can actually completely eliminate that. That one use case pays our entire SaaS fees for the whole year. Uh, it's amazing when you start looking at uh, the and uh, making sense of these ROIs and equating it to you know the value, uh, and that's how we work with our customers. So the moment you enter the store, but also important is the uh, uh, you know drive-by curbside pickup with our computer vision cameras. The cameras that are out there, we can identify that the vehicles are coming and real-time alert. Uh, to the associates that a customer has come in and we tie into their uh, ordering system. Uh, so that's another offering that we are providing with our partner AT&T. Uh, and so we have now not only digitized inside the store, but also outside. The other thing that we do is also identify and understand the vehicle demographics. How many vehicles come in? What types of vehicles come in? So we can actually tell uh, you know, every shopping center, every retailer, the health of that store based on the parking lot. Um, uh, the other big uh, metric that I think is really important is looking at the shopping carts. If the shopping carts are not at the bay, your basket size is slashed by two thirds because you will pick up a small basket and walk in. And to make sure that the shopping carts are always readily available for customers as they walk in. All of this equates to you know, a great experience so that you will shop uh, more and increase sales. Uh, so we're seeing whether it is sales, 
whether it is operational or whether it is even safety, so slip and fall. Uh, we can identify if there are some pallets left over uh, by mistake in aisles, that's an hazard. If there's a liquid, uh, not a clear liquid, but if there's a colored liquid, we can even identify that because that could be a slip and fall uh, event. And those are alerts that we can send out immediately. Uh, if there are uh, people crowding in a zone or in an aisle, we can send out real-time alerts and say that, you know, this uh, aisle has more than 10 people. So you need to send associates to either help them uh, shop or see what is happening over there. So there, it's just amazing. It's endless uh, metrics that we can generate, but we want to make sure that it's tied to an ROI for the retailer. Uh, so these are the things that we are seeing and it's just uh, like Ken mentioned, right? Customers now are using the bigger retail stores, the back of the house as fulfillment centers. Right. So we are now actually launching, you know, the uh, fulfillment center analytics uh, where we can understand when the truck came in, how many times the uh, forklift went inside and outside the truck, what was the time in motion study, so we can now determine every fulfillment center's performance. In fact, we are now working with one of the largest e-commerce platform uh, and uh, uh, putting a uh, complete plan for digitizing their uh, fulfillment center. All of a sudden, we are now not only in retail, but we are also helping e-commerce customers uh, in their uh, operations. I think also yeah. just to add, Add to that point, Rowan, because uh, I think obviously e-commerce is really where the activity is. And, you know, if you're a retailer today and you think about going into fourth quarter, uh, there's one thing that can't fail, and that's your distribution yeah. center. If you don't have your safety protocols in place that you can easily manage, uh, you could lose your DC, which it's it's just checkmate. I mean, look what's happening in the UK right now. In uh, about three hours from now, they'll be going on uh, lockdown for the next month unless you're an essential retailer. So all these other retailers have to rely on e-commerce and distribution. So there are there are ways for us to do that um, pretty easily. Speaking about e-commerce, also you know uh, with Radius Eight, you know, we we talked a lot today about focusing on the physical stores. But if you are a D, if you're a digitally native brand that might only have a couple of locations, um, you can still geofence cities, states where maybe you're getting very little business or um, or conversion with, and actually offer a, a promotion or an incentive to those customers. You know, think of it just as as customer acquisition cost. Uh, but you would offer an incentive to those customers to purchase from you. So, yeah, Radius 8 is great for creating a geofence around a physical store, but you can also geofence a city or even if a competitor has a stronghold in a certain geographical area and you really want to get your product out in that area, well, you can do that. And you can do that without impacting the pricing of your product online for everyone else or obviously the price in stores that are outside that, that ring. Yeah. I mean, Melissa, I think, um, you know, you started something really interesting um, a couple of minutes ago with the word customer journey. You know, I think uh, if you really think about it, uh, I think, you know, customer journey 
there are many different jumping off points here. So I think what Ken just alluded to was, you know, if you're, um, if you're an online only retailer, you know, you might convert well online, maybe in New York and LA, but maybe in Wisconsin, your conversion rate is almost next to nothing. So imagine being able to modify the digital experience where you have low online conversion, those areas of those cities, and you can incent those customers in those markets to, to buy, right? Or imagine if you were, um, you know, think about uh, the whole idea of a physical pop-up store. Imagine doing a digital pop-up store. Imagine being able to geofence the Hamptons and you have a, the Hamptons collection, uh, you know, for any particular brand online only, right? Being able, being able to target, um, you know, sporting stadiums. Imagine when uh, the Giants playing against the Rams. Wouldn't it be cool if, you know, Dick Sporting Goods or any sporting goods retailer could geofence that gameplay and, and when you're in proximity of that game and you're on the website, surface up favorite team jerseys because it's relevant to where you are, right? Or imagine... Um, you know, your favorite TV show on and, or any, anything that's con- even weather, right? Imagine if it's like freezing cold, why not like highlight uh, scarves and jackets in one market, right? The whole idea is what's the, what's the context for where you are to drive a journey that fa- that's P&L friendly. I think that's a key point here, a P&L friendly yeah. journey that drives an outcome, whether it's in store or online or and or online, I should say. Yeah, I love that that point of view. Um, it's sort of like a holistic point of view of what's possible. How both of you too, as part of this conversation, we talked about these opportunities where it's bring bringing all this um, to the table, but in a way that is, um, you know, um, more IT light. I think is the phrase we use. So, can you each tell us um, what does onboarding look like? Like how how does that onboarding process work? How long does it take you to get a customer live? Um, and then how long do they need to be live before you're able to provide some of these insights back and recommendations for them to continue to improve the experience? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I can give you an example. So, um, you know, so what I'll do is I'll mix up the example to also maybe include, um, you know, a, a, some performance with a, with a customer that went live with us recently. So, so typically, you know, for a customer to go live with Radius 8, uh, you know, the implementation of Radius 8 can be really quick. Um, so usually it's, um, you know, all, all customers that deploy Radius 8 basically use us through tagging. So basically if you're using Google Tag Manager or Telium, it's literally like five minutes worth of work to apply us on the site. Um, but customers typically can go, can go live two to three to four weeks maximum uh, with our solution. We've got different um, you know, we've got uh, easy, you know, medium and sophisticated, right? The more sophisticated the ask, obviously, uh, that's more involved. But typically, customers can go live, uh, you know, in uh, two shakes of a lamb's tail with our with our platform. And, you know, I would say that, um, you know, we've got a good example of that. You know, we, we, we went live with a QSR, a quick serve restaurant uh, mm-hmm. called uh, Church's Chicken. They have about, uh, I think, 1,500 locations across the country. Um, you know, they went live, uh, in, you know, in a very short amount of time. Uh, and what they found was that, uh, you know, because we increased the engagement by around 65%. So what that means is if you go to their, if you go to their website and you're near one of their restaurants, because we know that you're in proximity with those restaurants, we message you differently because we message you differently. The engagement with that site, uh, went up to about 65% hmm. because of that engagement, their overall, their overall online ordering went up by about 10%. Um, and what I would also tell you is there within that 10%, uh, we also increased their, 
uh, curbside ordering by about 25% because, hey, we know you're near this store. Instead of taking you to 15 clicks to disappointment to tell you where you were, we're based on your location, we're optimizing the, the number of clicks it takes for that consumer to say, I want to order and getting them to actually ordering. It's just one click and you're, and you're in. Uh, and by doing that, because the deployment is so fast, they can iterate really quickly. Uh, they can get data in days. It's, okay, you know what? We're seeing some something's trending in the right direction, something's trending in the wrong direction. Uh, and in either case, you're able to optimize and you're able to uh, effectively uh, you know, drive the outcome that you want because every retailer is different. Every organization is different. Every, every organization's digital strategy is different. So being able to react to the different nuances and the different mechanisms that exist uh, and giving them the ability to tweak or alter uh, to get them the the the, the actual results they're looking for is pretty dynamic and real time. Mm-hmm. Also, just no, to absolutely. add to one other thing, you know, Sandeep, just don't forget to literally go live. I think the platform, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we can get this live in a day. The challenge is because it's really a simple cut and paste of code. The challenge is more for the retailer or brand to get their creative content together so that what appears on a landing page meets uh, with the requirements of the creatives. So it's not us, it's it's them. We can go live very quickly and you'll hear from Rowan the exact same. And that's what I love about both platforms. I mean, the onus is on the team, uh, our team, and we go live for your IT team. You really don't need an IT team to get involved to get these platforms live. No, I oh, think that's great. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's that, um, you know, we talk about the different departments having the conversation. And I'm, I'm curious because sometimes you might be intersected by the biz dev team, sometimes maybe the store team, sometimes the marketing team. Um, and I'm sure that there are certain elements that are key in each of your platforms that position that, that client launch to be successful. Um, but so, Rohan, what does your process look like? How, how do you onboard a client? Sure, sure. So, you know, every time we sit in front of our client, they ask us, so where is your camera? What are your sensors? Where's your hardware? I look up in the ceiling and say, that camera is my hardware. And they say, can you tap into that? I said, yes, let's tap into it, go get a cup of coffee and you can have data. <laughs> so it's as simple nice. as that, right? So the, the process is whether it's a 10,000 square foot store or a 90,000 square foot store, anywhere between you know 10 cameras or 100 cameras, they all come back to a switch. Uh, and from the switch, it goes to their regular security you know, systems, right? These cameras have multiple channels. We take one cable from that switch connected to a NVIDIA GPU box and turn it on, uh, log on to our cloud-based uh, console, uh, create the uh, AI models on it, and it's up and running. We can launch a store, a big box retailer, like a Walmart or a Home Depot's type of stores, literally on a weekend, every store. We launched a 1.4 million square feet malls in less than five days. Uh, and that's 330 cameras all talking to each other and you know, analyzing 1.4 million people a month. Uh, it's as simple and easy as that. The time, for us to launch is literally over a weekend. That's what we tell our customers. So Monday morning, they have data. But we spend time in going through the KPIs and making sure phase one, you get 
this KPIs, these set of KPIs, phase two, you get these set of KPIs. And then we have weekly calls with customers to make sure that they are using the KPIs and the data. The thing that is very interesting is customers are now relying on us to give them insights. So we are now becoming consultants and you know, uh, working with our customers and helping them in their business because we are seeing the data from a very different angle, right? So deployment is so easy. We can deploy any property. So for example, right now, as we speak, the largest mall in London, which is now uh, shut down, but is they're deploying our system. It's being deployed and none of us are even going to Bullring in uh, Birmingham. Uh, we asked Dell to drop ship the server. Uh, third party goes in and just installs the server. It's just one URAC server, connects the cable, turns it on. We get a ping on our cloud. Our uh, deployment team turns it on. 300, uh, 120 cameras coming in at Bullring, and we're up and running. We've deployed at least in dozen locations in Europe and many locations over here without having to even fly there or be at a physical location. So that's how easy we have made the entire system. So if you look at our secret sauce, it's algorithms, it's the inference pipeline that makes 300 or 100 cameras talk to each other, it's the rapid deployment, and then it's the analytics. Uh, it's ubiquitous. It can be any cameras, a $50 camera to a $100,000 camera. It can be any hardware, Dell, HP, it doesn't matter it, as long as it's an NVIDIA card in there. And it could be any cloud, Google Cloud, Azure, um, or AWS, uh, or, or even Oracle Cloud now. Um, and it doesn't matter. We are a software company that can deploy fast. So that's what customers like about us. Uh, and they've said very clearly, we have seen other technologies that take six months to launch. Now it's like six hours for us to launch a QSR. Uh, we're launching uh, 10 QSRs in uh, Saudi Arabia uh, this month as we speak. And it's literally you know, two hours to launch a QSR for us. So that's our process. Uh, that we follow with customers. And we have a complete blueprint uh, built for every vertical that we work in. That's incredible. I mean, I think, right, because you eliminate some, the hardware cost alone, um, right? N not having them to take that on, um, I think is pretty significant. Yes. So we've gotten deep in the conversation, believe it or not, we're already like at 45 minutes. But what I would like to know, because the three of you um, like myself, we're sitting at the heart of all this, at the heart of retail, consumer experience, all of it. And you two are, are collecting so much information all of the time and helping, like you said, your clients, you know, glean those insights and then making recommendations on actions that they can take. So we're probably only halfway through what COVID is going to be, unfortunately. Um, and so we don't even know yet where consumer evolve, uh, behaviors are really going to like normalize. But if I, if I look out over the next two to five years, can each of you kind of in a round robin, what do you think is possible with the technology that you're, you know, your solutions and where you think it could go? Um, you want to, I could start with you, Sandeep, maybe. 
Sure. Um, so, you know, I would say, you know, I think, first of all, I think we're going to be in a world where um, pandemics are going to be a part of, I think, the world that we're going to be living in. I think the whether it is a pandemic or the or the cape or the prospect of a pandemic happening again. So I think what's going to happen by virtue of that, I think it's certainly forced and accelerated that marriage between digital and physical. Um, and because we've got that accelerated sort of, you know, marriage between these two channels, I think what you're going to see are far more creative um, sort of uh, experiences and uh, experiences around buying. Like, you know, the whole idea of last mile delivery, if you think about it, before the pandemic happened, last mile delivery was, yeah, it was it was definitely there. It was definitely interesting. You certainly had, you know, physical stores and you had digital. But I think by virtue of that pandemic, it forced everybody to buy and sell differently. Um, and it forced last mile to be a lot more relevant today than it ever was before. I think it forced digital and physical, the convergence of, the, of those two to really get on board ASAP, which they've done. And I think that um, you know, I think what you're only going to see is a framework for the next three or four years where you're going to see even not only better by virtue of this integration, you're going to see new business models and new buying experience manifest as a result of that. No, absolutely agree. Rohan? Sure. So, you know, digitization is happening, right? And uh, there are two billion cameras in the physical world and it's exponentially growing. The company that can digitize those camera feeds are going to be winners, and we are leading that effort and really helping our customers digitize their physical spaces, right? Uh, and I think that's where you know the market is going. Very clearly, COVID has actually accelerated that. I mean, this morning we were in call with a massive, you know, uh, mall owner in France, based in France. This was the first meeting. They're already talking about two malls uh, to, you know, go live because they're all stuck at home and they want to have eyes on what's happening, not live streaming, but data. So it's digitization and we are just starting. Uh, you know, whether it's a uh, QSR, whether it's a shopping center, whether it's a retailer, groceries, and even airports. What is an airport? Airport is nothing but a shopping mall uh, before you take off, uh, after you pass the TSA, of course. And, uh, you know, that whole experience over there, right, uh, is, has to be digitized so that, you know, you're a happy traveler. So where people live, where people shop, where people work, and where people travel, will all be digitized so that it's better experience, increased sales and better, you know, operations. So we are just beginning over there and, you know, computer vision and machine learning and deep learning uh, and with NVIDIA technology is just, you know, taking off and we are, you know, uh, riding that wave. So I think in the next five years, uh, uh, you know, if I may summarize it, what Google did for the online uh, websites and digitizing all of that so that your search is easy. Uh, we are doing that for cameras uh, uh, installed in various physical locations and generating insights and help transforming our customers. So that's where I think the next five years are uh, going. 
Mm-hmm. And Ken? Just to, well, you know, just to add to, to one point that Rowan just made, I think when you understand, all right, I'll, I'll back up. Where's, where are we going? I think what, what we're going to see is a movement towards, um, I'm going to call it the 3D realization of the web experience, which will be our stores. It will be everything that we love about shopping online we can have in the store. Um, I, I strongly believe that the, uh, the consumer's smartphone will be at the core of the shopping experience because it is the common denominator that every retailer shares, right? Every customer walks into the store with a smartphone. The retailer's ability to leverage that phone um, in any way possible to accelerate the sale, to take away friction from the purchase process will position that retailer as a win. So if you look at the radical side, and China's probably well ahead of the US, Amazon has it with Amazon Go, but literally the ability to self-shop, to go from one point of the store to another, to potentially get the information you need when you're in that area of the store, from product recommendations to what's the best seller, to should I just buy it online because it's out of stock? Your ability to have all of that done within the store, I think is critically important. So how brands really leverage their retail space, how they can send customers to stores to, um, with better expectations. Specific example, when Gap launches their Yeezy line with Kanye, okay, is it going to be in every store? No, it'll probably be in certain stores. So here would be a great time for Gap to have a pop-up on their landing page and say, hey, Ken, guess what? At the Bridgehampton store, we don't have the Kanye collection. You got to go to another store. So I don't go to the Bridgehampton store only to find out, well, we're a C or D store. We didn't get distribution of that product. So by really creating the right experience in the store for the customer and understanding the customer's journey. So for example, if it's someone like a, a Bed Bath & Beyond, I'll throw out a name, it would be, it would make sense that probably the greatest amount of dwell time is spent in areas that are most confusing. Like it could be appliances or kitchenware, where I really want to try and understand the difference of air fryers that are being presented. Well, for Bed Bath & Beyond to understand how many people spend the majority of their dwell time in the store in that area, they can then match their customer service to that area. Okay, that means I get the person right when I'm there versus I get there and where is the person. Online, that information is always available. In the store, we're always trying to figure out where is it and then you got to go to the checkout. So the more that brands can create a web experience that we can actually walk through, I think that's those will be the winners. No, I, I, I love that you brought that uh, perspective in because I think there's so much conversation of everything just going online and I love how you tied it back it's the the digitization of the physical environment as well um, and I think those who are successful are going to be able to create environments for their consumers that can seamlessly cross digital physical whenever they want however they want how often they want so I think this is an exciting conversation. We can go on. I could go on, but we need to wrap this up today. So um, I'd like to thank you so much for being um, part of today's uh, live podcast. Again, we had um, Sandeep from Radius 8 and Rohan from Deep North AI and Ken, a seasoned um, investor who you're really sitting at the heart of a lot of exciting opportunities right now, I think, 
Um, and I thank you so much for introducing me to both of, of today's guests. And I'm sure that I will be calling the both of you uh, for, for some of our client projects as we start to embark on plans for 2021 and beyond. Thank you so much for being with us today um, and being part of our conversation. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks. Great. You. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. And thank you, Ken, for the introduction. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.